Friend, please help Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry by supporting the cost to produce Spirit-Filled Radio and Podcast for this current fiscal year. You can become a partner with Spirit-Filled Hearts by donating monthly. Your contributions make a difference in the lives of all those who listen to our radio shows and podcasts. Thank you for your support. Go to spiritfilledhearts.org and click on the donate button. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. Welcome back to the eighth week of the I Thirst follow-up here with Father Jacob Shea. Today we're speaking about the deposit of the faith. This phrase is essential for us as Catholics, so we should repeat it, deposit of the faith. Now what is this? A lot of people haven't heard of this, and really I didn't hear of it until I went to the seminary. And so this idea of the deposit of the faith, you take the word as it is, it's deposited, and it's all the things which are known by faith, so it's the deposit of the faith, and who is it deposited by is deposited by Jesus, is deposited by our Lord. And so this is all that he gave to us of the faith. So Jesus came down from heaven to earth, and then he gave us the deposit of the faith, which is all revealed truth. This is all the revealed truth that he wants to give to us so that we can then pass this down from generation to generation, all the way up until the present time. When our Lord deposits this revealed truth, this is the revealed truth that is unchanging. You cannot change what God has set, what God has said. And this deposit of the faith then is carefully passed down from the apostles and then from all the teaching of the church, etc., all the way down, and it's unchanged. It doesn't increase as time goes on. It doesn't decrease. We can't forget any of it. It stays exactly the same unchanging truth. And we know that it's passed down immaculately and beautifully because our Lord said that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. There will be no error in church teaching. This is a relief off of our shoulders. This is really important to remember if we are Protestant, if we are whatever, right? We're always constantly thinking, is this the right interpretation? Is this the right way to think about it? Did this person teach this, you know? And we're just constantly filled with confusion. But here with Holy Mother Church, there's no other church that has this, and that's why you can't really call them churches. There's only one holy Catholic and apostolic church. One, one, one. And so God instituted this church. It's not man-made. It's not made up by, you know, the inclinations of men. It's directly given to us by God. God instituted the holy Catholic church. That's why we call her Mother Church. And so this Holy Mother Church that we have, who loves us so much, a beautiful mother, carefully protects us by teaching us that beautiful deposit of the faith and then hands it down from one generation to the next all the way to our present generation. And so we share the same truths that St. Thomas knew by faith, right? We know and believe in the same truths that St. Peter, St. Paul, 
Saint Athanasius, right, all the way down to our present age, all of the saints, we all believe the same thing. This is such a marvelous thing to think about. In this modern age, everybody just disagrees about everything, and it's all about their emotions. I feel this way, I feel that way, and we just have all these different beliefs, and nobody can agree on anything. And if you don't agree with me, then I hate you, and you know, it's just all this craziness all over the place, and it just causes so much stress and anxiety and all these you know, things start coming about. So here, it's so beautiful in the other way. And it's so funny that this is what's rejected. It's like, oh, this is all authoritarian, you know, this is all whatever. And if you look at the other side, it's just going to be misery, you know, because everybody's just, you know, fighting each other all the time. And like, you know, just constantly, I don't really know if this is right. I got to find myself and I got to find my true identity. And I just can't find it after 50 years of living. It's just all of that. It's just craziness. For us, we need clarity. We need just surety, clarity, and that's what God gave to us. That's why he came to earth, as St. Thomas said. He came to earth to give us clarity because truth is hard for us to find. We are so slow in our minds and we are, you know, our vision is just clouded by sin. When we sin so much, it just makes us not be able to judge correctly. And so we have that and then all of this, we are pretty messed up people. And so God needs to come down from heaven and then just speak the beautiful truth and then make sure that it's handed down. But this is by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And here, that's how it's handed down all the way to our present age. There's no other way that we could know the truth because we are just so messed up, okay? This is just easy, common sense to think, you know, are, is there any other way, you know? And so here, the deposit of the faith is everything for us. It is all the public revelation of our Lord. Everything that we need to know is in the deposit of the faith. And so there's no increase. There's no change in it. There's only what is called here by St. Cardinal Henry Newman. John Henry Newman. This is called the development of Christian doctrine. Now, development doesn't mean it sounds like it's changing, but it's not. Development of Christian doctrine means that you are using clearer words in order to describe what the apostles taught. You know, not clear because they said it unclearly, but we're using the philosophical language of Aristotle and St. Thomas in order to really clarify things. So, for example, the Trinity that was revealed by Jesus, and then here we always believe the Trinity, all the way from Jesus all the way up until now. The doctrine of the Trinity is there. There's one God, and then the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. However, at the beginning, there was not the formulation of the word person. This came later with philosophy. And this came after hundreds of years of the fathers of the church trying to explain the Trinity, the same belief that we had, but then now using precise words in order to capture what the Trinity is. So the formulation that we have, one God, three divine persons, that word person isn't found in the Bible, right? And so where did that word come from? 
Why do we have that word? This word person comes from, of course, the clearest formulation is St. Thomas Aquinas, who gives us the most beautiful doctrine of the Trinity. And with this word person, we see that there is distinctness. Each person is distinct from another. And so in the Trinity, we have one God. All the persons are equal, but they are distinct. And so, for example, Jesus says, the Father and the Son. I am not the Father and the Son is not the Father, right? The Father is not the Son. That means that they're distinct. But again, the word distinct is not used in the Bible. And thus, when we use the word distinct, we're not adding to it, but actually that word clarifies our thinking and, and makes us see that, oh, that's what it means when the Father is not the Son and the Son is not the Father. They're distinct, but they're equal and they are one God. And so here, this beautiful clarification, um, the precision of language is given to us by philosophy. And that's what development of Christian doctrine means. This is the development of what is already in the deposit of the faith and its development of the language in order to describe what's in the deposit of the faith. So what's in this thing? So we talked about it a lot. So what is this thing that we're describing? So here, the deposit of the faith will have the beautiful doctrines, the main two doctrines of our faith. So what are those main two doctrines? First is the Blessed Trinity. Everything comes from the Blessed Trinity. This is the main doctrine of their faith. That's why we say, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. That's how we begin Mass. That's how we begin Confession. That's how we begin everything. It's always in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Then, as you notice, right, it is the cross, right? And so the second most important doctrine of dogma of the church is the incarnation. And so we have the Trinity here, and then, of course, the second person of the Trinity, then becomes man, homo factus est, and the word became flesh, right? In verbum caro factum est, okay? So here he was made man, the word became flesh, and then this is where we get all the sacraments, right? Every single dogma that we have comes from the Trinity, and then the incarnation, everything that we believe in, sacraments, everything of, everything of the teaching that we have about sin, everything that we have about the things that we need to combat sin, everything comes from our Lord because he's the one who came to destroy our sins and to destroy death and to give us the sacraments so that we can get back to heaven. And so we see that these two beautiful doctrines, they are the main ones. These are the ones contained in the deposit of the faith. And so then all the teachings about the sacraments, which flow from the incarnation, about redemption, what is the power of the cross? What does it mean for Jesus to save us from our sins? What is sin? All of those questions are all contained by this mystery of the incarnation. So they're all kind of in there. And so they're all contained in these two beautiful mysteries. And they're like kind of two wings of a bird that kind of help us to get to heaven. They contain everything in them. And so, for example, you have the Immaculate Conception. This is also something that is not directly explicitly said in the Bible, although it is there implicitly. But it comes up later, uh, basically in modern ages, 
um, as pronounced by the Pope in um, his um, documents. And then he says it clearly. So what was in the Bible, the Bible is all in the deposit of the faith, right? And the canon of the Bible as determined by Holy Mother Church, right? Inspired by the Holy Ghost, right? This is um, this doctrine of the Immaculate Conception in Munificentensimus. It's a very hard uh, title to say. Munificentensimus. I'm not even saying correctly, but here that document uh, contains the beautiful doctrine, the dogma of the Immaculate Conception, but we already find that in uh, sacred scriptures, for example, when it says um, Ave Maria Gratia Plena, full of grace. They would say inside this beautiful greeting of the angel Gabriel, full of grace. That means that Our Lady is without sin because how can you be full of grace and still have any splotch of sin on you, right? And so later on, in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, then the Pope pronounced you know, we know this is part of the deposit of the faith that Our Lady is immaculately conceived because she is full of grace. And so we have the church pronouncements. These also are in the deposit of the faith, but everything already uh, is contained there implicitly in the Bible. So we have uh, sacred scripture and then sacred tradition for those things that are not inside of Scripture. These things which are given orally by the teaching of the apostles, which came from our Lord. So our Lord's writings, uh, our Lord didn't write anything, sorry, the writings about our Lord, right, in the Gospels, they cannot contain everything that he did, just as St. John said. There's going to be millions and gazillions of more books um, to try to write down everything that Jesus said. So not everything that Jesus said and did is written down in the Gospels. But he did transmit a lot more orally. And so that was given to the apostles, which they orally passed down. And then this comes out in, for example, infant baptism. So infant baptism is not explicitly said in the Bible, but here this was a tradition. We want to save children right when they are born because they might die in original sin. So that's why we baptize them as soon as possible. Less than two months is what canon law says. And so here we have uh, sacred scripture and then sacred tradition. It's the oral tradition of the church. Those are the things contained in the deposit of the faith. This is all sealed at the death of the last apostle, St. John. So as soon as he dies, this is all sealed, it's finished, and now it is passed down from generation of Catholics to generation of Catholics, and it is completely protected, completely beautiful, completely gorgeous, and this is the public revelation given to us by our Lord, which we have to believe. There's every single thing in the deposit of the faith. We have to believe this in order to be saved. The other things are, for example, private revelations of saints, uh, for example, of the life of the Blessed Virgin Mary by uh, Mary of Agreda. These are private revelations that we can believe out of devotion, but we're not required to believe them. Or, for example, you have um, Anne, Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich's uh, visions. These are part of private revelation. We don't have to believe them, um, but we can out of devotion and we can use our own heads to see if they're um, consistent and valid or not, right? But the public revelation of 
the of what is given to us by Jesus in the deposit of the faith, we have to take that. And so here, let us really see the beauty of this concept that God loves us so much to give us the truth clearly and that it will never change no matter how much we mess up or whatever and sin and try to get in God's way. This beautiful deposit of the faith it is the deposit of truth. He put it here for us. That's what deposit means. You put it here. And he's given to us, and it is beautiful, pure, and if we try, we can't mess it up. Right? We just have to listen to Holy Mother Church and love it and embrace the deposit of the faith and take it all. And this is, again, God's pure love for us, that he wants us to have light and want. And he wants us to live in pure light, not darkness. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider supporting Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry with a one-time or monthly gift. Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are only funded by generous donors who believe in our mission to evangelize.